0: Hello, everyone, welcome to the episode 64 of Solid Saturday. The guest we have today, Roshan Khan. He is one of the top public speakers in Pakistan, ranked into the top 50 debaters, and has won more than 10 national business and debating competitions. He has management and analytics experience in multiple industries, including banking, foods, and consulting. In the past, he has worked for the largest human resource management consulting firm in the world mercer currently he is an analytics consultant providing expertise as a data analytics analyst to the organization also a tableau featured author he routinely creates and posts tableau visualizations which gain millions of views worldwide as well as recognition from the top organizations such as tiktok google and bank of america he is the number 1 Tableau ranked author in Pakistan and the first one in the country to be awarded Biz of the Day for his recent Google Trends visualization that went viral. Wow, definitely he is one of those who is in his early young age and leading his area of interest. So I can't wait to hear more from him as well as we are going to have his demonstration on the his most recently published uh, Google Trends Visualization, which went viral. We are going to have a quick demonstration of that as well. So let's just welcome him. Hey, hello, Roshan. Very happy to have you on the show, and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Mashali. It's a huge honor to be here, and thank you so much for inviting me. Your show, honestly, is great. I watch a lot of episodes from it. And it's a true honor to be here. So I do thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'm also looking forward to it because I'm also a lot more interested in the visualizations. So I'm also quite excited to see your visualization story as well as, you know, learn because for the students, definitely it is going to be a useful episode to learn how they can lead their area of expertise. So just to begin our first section exactly. is about passion and interest. So how did you find your passion in the data field and what steps did you take to pursue that passion or what motivates you to be in this field?
1: Of course, of course. So it's funny, actually, because um, throughout my life, I've always had different career paths that I've always thought of. And, you know, data science being heavily mathematical and statistical, Mm -hmm. um, going back all the way into my adolescence, I never even thought that, you know, I'd get into something like this. right? Um, like early in my, even in my university days, I was actually a marketing student, right? I loved, well, I thought I loved everything about marketing, you know, things like making campaigns, creatively making advertisements and stuff like that. And throughout my university, I just, I think that I was just really, I had a false sense about, uh, what I really wanted to get into. So whoever really asked me about marketing, I would always say Uh stuff like, yeah, marketing is my passion. You know, mm-hmm. I'd love to do, get into it. I love digital marketing stuff like that, but I never felt it, and uh, I never really did anything about it. I never took action on it. I never created a campaign. I never really enjoyed, um, you know, reading marketing books. At times, they were really abstract to me, mm-hmm. and it was really about um, the final year in my undergraduate program, uh, where I was introduced to more uh, analytics electives. Uh, that's when I was first introduced to business analytics and data science and uh, the whole data science process. Uh-huh. And immediately it was just a spark of real passion within me, uh-huh. as in I couldn't, I can't even explain that just immediately I felt this click within my life that I thought that this is going to be my true field. And it really was something that I felt um, with inside of me that's something where I can actually make a tangible uh-huh. impact. So it was about studying that first elective in which I studied analytics and then from there I took a lot more electives in analytics and then eventually I graduated with a, a undergraduate in business analytics and then from there it's just been an amazing journey of you know getting into every tool that I can learn within data doing making an impact in the data science world I mean especially making a lot of these visualizations so it's really just a place where um, I found that I can make an impact and I found that it's something that really brings out something within me to do when it comes to data science. I mean, with marketing, I couldn't do anything, but with data, like almost on a daily basis, I'm like working on a project or doing a visualization or talking with people in data. And, you know, it's, it's, it really is for the first time in my life, I could really say that I've found my true passion and that's wow. something that, um, I can never doubt myself on. So uh, I think I found my true calling when it comes to data and uh, yeah, that's just pretty much been my journey It's definitely been an exciting one.
0: Yes. Yes, and that definitely is true actually uh, Sometimes that you as you mentioned that you know, explore the area like you know, try to understand the basics around it and uh, You'll find that okay, you would like to learn more so it is like exactly. de- developing that passion or developing that interest in that particular field starts with the exploration So, that is definitely true. And uh, before we move towards the next segment, actually, I would like to have the demonstration of your Google Trends visualization because that is a lot more viral and people are talking a lot more on the social media platforms about it. So, are you ready to give the demonstration to the audience?
1: Sure, sure. Let me share my screen.
0: Yep, sure. Thank you.
1: Are you able to see it yes let me just great okay so I mean I guess I'll start with um, you know uh, some of the inspiration that that I got from in in, in the origin of this viz and okay. then I'll also explain the elements of it so yeah. I mean just a brief origin on it um it was actually coming around the time of uh, December and I already finished a previous project of mine for data in which I posted and it had uh, It had good it had a lot of good reaction a lot of positive Response online on the platforms that I'm on and I was really thinking about uh, the next project that I want to get into Um, Because throughout uh, you know, uh, I, I could you could say my my daily schedules. I'm always looking around, always being curious about, you know, stuff that I can visualize. It's really just a organic process. Like I'd be outside somewhere and I'd see something and I'd ask myself a question, how does that happen? Or is there any data on that? Or can I visualize that somehow? Mm -hmm. So that's how this came about is that uh, I was really looking for a project that would summarize, uh, something about the year of
0: 2020,
1: Mm -hmm. whether that's something globally or something personally. Uh Um, the, one of the options that I had uh, to summarize this year was actually uh, doing, uh, was, actually, uh, was actually summarizing my Netflix data. I thought that maybe that could be a good project in which I Thank could you. take, you know, the past months in which I've watched Netflix and different shows and I can get that data and I can visualize my whole uh, entertainment interests for the year of 2020. Um, but then uh, around that time that I was thinking about doing that project, then uh, the Google year in search came out. And it was at that time that I really thought that this is a golden opportunity to uh, really summarize the whole year. Because when I started, when I saw the report and I saw also their initial video on uh, the year in search, uh, Mm -hmm. I I also found that, you know, because this is an annual thing that Google does. They release these reports annually to really show what the world has been doing in the year, Mm -hmm. where's the interest laying, What's the cultural impact of many world events? So I thought that this would be a wonderful project to really, uh, summarize the hectic and chaotic year of 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went to the year in search uh, report, their website, and I was able to download, uh, all the, all the entire, excuse me, the entire history of the search of, of different search terms throughout the year, specifically relating to, um, searches, relating to people, uh mm-hmm. Cultural events and worldwide newsworthy events. So I, I was able to collect all of that data, collate it, and then I thought that the best way to visualize it was to do it in Tableau with what mm-hmm. is called a ridgeline chart or a joy plot. So what you're seeing in front of you, this mm-hmm. whole chart, is actually within the data world, it's actually called a joy plot or a ridgeline chart. And what that basically is, is that it visualizes certain dimensions across a time series where you can see all dimensions at once. So at the bottom you can see you know the timeline of 2020 from February 1st to December 1st. And then you can see the dimensions on the left side. And in the middle you can see um, in the middle you can see uh, the, the history of the search term throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So I'll just also go into this a little bit, you know, just to explain to everyone. So basically again, this is just showing the most popular search terms for the year of
0: 2020.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, did that cut out there. No, hear I can do
0: yeah,
1: fine like is, is, Okay, perfect. Perfect. Great. So basically, uh so for example, uh Kobe Bryant at the start of 2020, unfortunately, he passed away. Mm-hmm. And immediately once his news came, everyone started searching it. So basically that peak you can see right here is like it went from zero to 100 within a couple of days because everyone around the world was searching about Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the same time, just about two months later, that that is when the same time, just about two months later, that's when the pandemic started to hit. And then that's where you see these huge upticks in the coronavirus pandemic searches right. and coronavirus and coronavirus update right because the whole world was just searching it and, and then throughout the year you just see similar searches like these and one major thing that you can see is that a lot of this um a lot of the trends throughout 2020 were influenced uh-huh. by coronavirus so from february you know the, when the pandemic hit you can see coronavirus symptoms came along then people were searching coronavirus then people were searching mm-hmm. updates on them and then people were also searching this new hoax I could Mm -hmm. I I mean it wasn't a hoax it was a real thing but it didn't really seem to be uh something that uh would be important on a large scale Mm -hmm. um and then because of the pandemic obviously all the university students were very concerned about you know their online classes so google classroom was being searched Mm -hmm. zoom was being searched as well it peaked right there um, unfortunately many people around the world be, uh, began to become um, unemployed so that's why they were also searching this as well and um, and then the rest of them as well like mask and stimulus checks they're influenced mm-hmm. by the pandemic um, if we were to look into some like insights from this you could see that so for example uh, some searches that were constant throughout the year were searches such as TikTok, for example mm-hmm. because It was a pretty good year for TikTok because, you know, during the pandemic, more people were going online Mm -hmm. and TikTok is a predominantly Gen Z platform. So uh, it stayed pretty relevant throughout the year because a lot more people, you know, came onto the platform from other platforms such as Instagram, Facebook. And even when I shared this visualization online, um, a lot of the people at the TikTok team, the C-suite team, like the head of marketing, the head of recruiting, Mm -hmm. they liked it as well. They actually shared it. They were actually quite... um, they were, they were quite happy in the fact that TikTok was performing so well throughout the year in terms of searches.
0: Um, another
1: constant trend throughout the year was also Tesla stock. Um, again, I'm not too much into the stock market, but I do follow Elon and you know the things that he says and the promises that he makes. So I would assume that Tesla remains strong in terms of uh, their presence uh, and by certain countries. So for example... Well, the Indian Premier League IPL, it's uh, very popular in South Asian countries like Pakistan and India. So that was like such a mega event, you know, and so many people were searching it that it, it completely influenced all the results, uh, you know, that Google that Google reported because these are worldwide search terms. These are global mm-hmm. search terms. So meaning so many people were searching IPL throughout the year, or at least in that time frame that uh, Google had to include it in the worldwide search. And similarly, in the U.S., right, obviously there was that whole time of the U.S. election, Donald Mm -hmm. Trump, Joe Biden, election results, and stuff like that. So the U.S. influenced it. And then the last search term, which was kind of relevant for the year of 2021, which we're hearing a lot these days as well, is uh, the vaccine. I mean, people, it peaked out in about March, February, when the pandemic was here, and then it kind of trailed off. Uh, so yeah that's pretty much what the, the visualization is about it's really just showing all these trends and all these insights and uh, I didn't work uh, I mean I did not spend time on it when I was uh, making it uh, at the time that I posted it's actually quite uh, surreal because I really treated this as just another project of mine
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I really I, I never knew that it would have such a huge um, massive response on a global scale. I mean, millions of people viewed it. It was shared across all platforms. Mm-hmm. It was such a huge response. It was featured on Tableau. So I really just couldn't imagine uh, the huge response. So I mean, I really have to thank everyone who, mm-hmm. who gave such a positive response to that. So yeah, that's pretty much what this visualization is about. Yes, so we
0: can just go back to the speaker. You to I speak
1: you. Yeah, sure. Should I, should I stop sharing my screen? Yeah, you
0: can just stop sharing Thank you so much for this free demonstration. Uh, the way I see it is that you know when you are interested in, in a, any API activity, try to keep finding the opportunity to uh, explore and learn more and showcase your knowledge. So that's what I can see from the motions visualization as well because he got the interest into the data analytics field and uh, he was looking very active, it is being a proactive to uh, learn more about that area. So that's how he landed up having this idea as well and uh, see you can see the outcome as well that uh, it is a lot more popular now and uh, it has got a lot of attention from the people as well as the appreciation as well. So thank you so much Roshan and uh, really well deserved. uh, This is really a cool visualization as well as I would say that well structured as well as clear to the audience. So that they can see that, you know, what are the popular trends as well as the way you put the hierarchy as well. It starts with the year start and it ends with the year end. So it's like, you know, what are the popular search terms? searched in January till the end of December 2020. So thank you so much. And moving towards our next segment is a fun segment, which is like, you know, keep audience alive as well as engaged in the show. So I'm going to give you talk. Keywords actually Uh, like the keywords from your profile which are associated with your skill sets or the profile uh, like the summarization So you have to just tell me like a short definition or the abstract keyword or replacement keyword for that particular thing. So Are you ready?
1: Of course, yeah sure of course.
0: Yeah, so the first word is data visualization What comes to your
1: mind i think the first thing that comes to my mind is information so when i think of the word data visualization i really think that you know the whole point of data visualization is to convey uh, insightful and genuine information and it's always about you know uh, exploring and discovering what is unknown or what is not known to people and um, showing that to people in a meaningful and coherent and tacit way. And uh, I think that is one of the, probably one of the most um, insightful methods that we have available to us to convey information in today's day and age with uh, yeah. the advancement of technology and whatnot. So when you say data visualization, uh, information comes to my mind. Yes,
0: yes. And that's very true, actually. When it comes to the info- uh, data visualization, it should be more or like a. Uh, structured information so that is true and the uh, next keyword is tableau hello can
1: you hear me yes i can hear yes
0: yes the second keyword is tableau
1: tableau when you say tableau fun is the word that comes to my mind honestly because i've had so much fun in um using tableau to work on these projects and honestly the interface that tableau has is so user friendly and it's very fun to use as well Uh, more so than a lot of these other visualization platforms i mean if we look at power bi for example or even if we look at something as simple as excel i mean tableau was built to be fun actually the the meaning of the word Tableau itself is actually it's a French word that means uh, a picture or picturesque description. Mm-hmm. And I really think that um, Tableau as a company, they perfected um, their a visualization software that almost anyone can use. I mean, okay. it's literally just drag and drop. You can open it up and it's so intuitive. So, and it's very fun using it as well. I mean, it's always been inviting for me. So, and a lot of these projects have also been fun. So yeah, that's pretty much what comes to my mind. Yep. yep.
0: And the third word is consulting.
1: Consulting. So the word that comes to my mind would be lifestyle. Uh-huh.
0: That's a good one. Um,
1: again, because, uh, and it's, it's a passion of mine. So um, I think. I think that um, when I consult two companies or assist them. I, hello, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, so as I said before, as in um, when it comes to consulting, I really enjoy the lifestyle for it mm-hmm. because the data itself is very, um, I'm very passionate about it and I really enjoy uh, undertaking my own tasks within data science, especially in consulting. So if I'm with a company, then they allow access to their data in which I can analyze it, visualize it in a way that is most insightful to them. And I just really enjoy that um, lifestyle of just really being able to have a touch point with an array of companies and mm-hmm. being able to use their data to help make their decisions for them or help them make their decisions with data. Um, in the most recent uh, consulting contract that I had, it was with Baskin Robbins, it just finished up as well. So uh, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, we explored a lot about the ice cream industry here. I was able to help them in some of the decisions that they made with their data. Uh, I also helped them collect a lot of data and also analyzed it and visualized it with Tableau as well. So I really enjoyed the lifestyle that consulting provides. So yeah, that's, yes. that's the word. Yes. Thank you so much. And you did
0: pretty well actually to explain explaining your definitions as well. So thank you so much moving towards our next section is about exploring your career work and volunteering. so the first segment i'm going to touch is that your academic achievements and when i came across your profile i see like a bunch of achievements actually in the academics which is like inspiring for every students out there who are looking to do well in their academics so i'm going to mention couple of here which are like you know you have six gold medalists like you have six gold medal one silver one bronze and uh, you are placed on Dean's honor list of, for all eight semesters, ranked consecutively into top three students at fast eight semesters. So, how did you manage that actually during your academics? Like, you know, keeping up to date with uh, your knowledge and learning, as well as keeping yourself top of everything.
1: Uh, So I think that as far as if I go back to, um, I think that there was a huge change when I entered the early phases of high school. Um, That is when I started to be a little bit more uh, academically inclined um, and also quite a little bit uh, competitive as well. But I'm not, I'm not, I don't try to be aggressively competitive, but I try to be competitive with myself as in to really improve and make myself better each and every day. So throughout my high school years, you know, I excelled there as well and, you know, really tried to be more academically inclined. And when it came to university, um, I mean, that was just completely solidified my entire attitude, my personality, my orientation towards academics and, you know, being a good student and learning a lot. So uh, throughout all uh, my undergrad journey, I just really Uh took it seriously because I thought that this was a huge opportunity that, you know, it's not it's not that everyone has an opportunity to um, you know pursue education or you know not everyone has an opportunity to, to really value their education so I really thought that it was a huge blessing and a huge privilege mm-hmm. so I really took it seriously in all aspects of it in terms of every subject um, every grade that I got um, and I think that it just naturally came about so, I mean, a lot of people even, you know, message me up until now and, you know, they ask about, um, especially university students, about how to um, be a good student or how to, how to okay. academically achieve these days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I really think that it's just about setting that goal and having that serious attitude towards academics. To mm-hmm. really, you know, say to yourself that, you know, I have a huge opportunity to better myself, to make myself into something that I probably want to be. And not only that, but also be better for my family and my community. So, I mean, I now feel that as an undergraduate, um, Mm -hmm. I'm able to, you know, be committed to the welfare of my family. And Mm -hmm. I really think that down the road, I'll be able to find more um, interests or activities in which I could serve the community. And that too with data. Mm -hmm. I mean, I recently uh, saw a lot of uh, social causes that require, you know, Uh, the help of data analysts and data scientists. And I really think that once you um, dedicate yourself to education or you dedicate yourself to a purpose that requires you to obtain education, that you'll not only be able to make something of yourself, but you can make an impact in the world at large, or at least in your community. And it really just makes, it just really makes, um, it requires one person to do that. And so I think that's what's always been driving me
0: yeah. So a couple of things that I understood is that you know you said it that throughout my life i
1: I mean I have never had to doubt myself in my undergraduate journey. I uh-huh. really just had to stay committed to it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Exactly.
1: Being dedicated yeah. and just about being motivated for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, it, was it like a pure proactive work or uh, you got inspired by any teacher or the professor during?
1: Be honest i really think that um yeah there was definitely moments where i had touch points with a few professors that inspired me and really uh pushed me to do better uh-huh. and i really have to be thankful to all of those professors who um always mentored me or pushed uh-huh. me to be better and i think that every student uh if there's any student out there who's in university i would strongly advise that they do find a sensible professor that can really push them towards being you know better or push them towards improving their skills or teaching them <laughs> something and because professors are an equal part of your academic journey as much as you are so it's definitely been proactive I mean there was definitely those instances where you would have you know those late nights and you know sleepless nights yeah. but I mean that's all a part of the effort Mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just really being proactive about it finding good mentors and really just being dedicated to it
0: yes so yes. yeah and i think it is truly motivational for the students actually if you see his uh, passion towards the area or the way he tries tried to be a proactive during his undergrad or the graduate uh, education he did a lot of things um and the words that he mentioned actually which were like a dedication commitment towards it and uh, Finding that interest actually first, that you know, once you find that interest, definitely you'll find more opportunities to learn about that area more. So, thank you so much, Roshan. And then the next question we have under that segment is how do you keep balance between your academics and uh, extracurricular activities?
1: I see. Um, So, I I mean, I've had many opportunities to indulge in um, these extracurricular activities as well. people also uh, there's also been students who reach out to me on this as well and again I think it really just goes back to having that commitment but more so than that I think that you really just have to find um extra activities that you think would make you passionate or you think interest you
0: mm-hmm. so
1: I I mean I'm a public I'm a public speaker mm-hmm. um I love doing stuff in business I love being connected to things in like Talking about the economy, we're being connected to economics, things like this. So the business world, the data science world, and you know the debating world as well as in public speaking. So there were a lot of opportunities to um, you know indulge in these activities throughout my academic career, uh, such as public speaking competitions, debating competitions, mm-hmm. um, business competitions, and whatnot. So I really think that you just have to find something that interests you, and there could be a wide variety of stuff that could interest uh any student for example yeah. um you know there's a lot of theater or drama competitions i mm-hmm. mean if you think that that's your thing then i mean that's something that brings the passion out of you you should go for that mm-hmm. so as far as i'm concerned i really think it, w- it didn't really require as much of a balance for me because i really enjoyed it i was able to okay. make time for it i was able to dedicate myself go to these competitions mm-hmm. win uh many of them And uh, at the end of the day, it really contributes to how you grow as a professional. I mean, when I look back on it, I don't just look back on, you know, the victory or the achievement. I also look back on how it's, you know, made me grow because I definitely learned something from each of those competitions. So I would definitely encourage um, any university student or anyone in academia to not just, you know, be dedicated to education, but also uh, go outside your university corridors and find an event find something that interests you and yep. that you can be dedicated towards outside of the institution.
0: Yep, yep, and definitely as it is said that, you know, a person should have at least one hobby because uh, we are not only talking about the career journey, it's about the life journey as well. So when we think about we are satisfied in our career journey, you should have something that, you know, keeps you going as well. So. Along with the academics, extracurricular is also important because you can build the networking. You can explore other areas as well as you can find that hobby as well. It is not required that you know every passion or the every hobby that you have. You convert that into your career choice. But it's always good exactly. to have multiple things uh, going on in your life along with your passion. So thank you so much. Uh, one more okay. question we have under that is that you have done a couple of internships actually. So how do you see importance of the internships in your career journey and any favorite project that you did as a part of internship and would you like to share with the audience?
1: Of course, of course. So, I mean, um, again, as far as um, internships or even getting uh, stuff like article ships or apprenticeships, I really okay. think that they are a perfect transitional opportunity for students to bridge the gap between the corporate world and academia um i know a lot of students who i mean i i I suppose that they doubt or they don't see the value in internships and i've always questioned that because a lot of these opportunities give Mm -hmm. these students the ability to go into the corporate world and really experience um what it is like but more so experience the practical side of the corporate world as well as to mm-hmm. come out of academia come out of uh studying the textbook and really connect the ideas that they have to things that are happening in the mm-hmm. corporate world so yep. i in, in the internships that i've done i mean i've done it in an array of places i've done one in banking one in the foods industry and one in the consulting industry and each one again i've Learn something different from each one and it's always been progressively contributive to who i am today and i would never take away any of those experiences Uh with respect to the people that i've met or the work that i've done and it's always been a huge opportunity to just uh, have those chances to go out and experience something um as far as probably one of uh the favorite ones that i have Uh I think probably one of the favorite ones that I have is when I was working in the foods industry, Um, I was working at this one uh, corporation, um, it's called uh, the Fresh and Freeze, actually they're Mm -hmm. a national foods uh, company within our country, Uh, they have a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, beauty brands nationally and they also have uh, pretty significant market shares. And I, I was actually working in their um, international division, in which mm-hmm. they you know uh, deal with imports and exports of food items. Mm-hmm. And I really had a chance to do a lot of data analysis there. So I was, you know, analyzing a lot of um, exports and imports of international food items. I was preparing these analytical reports. I created dashboards for the insights that I that I generated. So it, mm-hmm. it was definitely a great opportunity. And I learned so much from uh, you know, being there. And mm-hmm. likewise, a lot of students these days would have the same benefit if they pursue a lot of these opportunities. So yeah, I, I really think that it's a huge, uh, it's not something to be wasted. It's something that you know, mm-hmm. people should be grateful for. Yep,
0: yep, that is a very valid point actually. During the internship you get that idea of how real projects work. Uh, respect of the academics academics it is more about understanding and making your foundation firm but when it comes to real projects uh, it is required that you create that kind of experience how organizations work how you have to work in a team and how you have to execute the project so this is kind of a process that you learn obviously along with your you know uh, academic expertise whatever you learned in academic So thank you so much, Roshan, and we are moving towards our next section, which is about tips and advice, and you can support your answer with uh, specific books and courses as well. So any tips or advice would you like to give to the students or professionals who are in their early early career, who wants to pursue their passion in this specific field and looking at this as their long-term career option?
1: Of course, of course. So um, I really think that, uh, I mean, a lot of people, they also reach out to me about, uh, you know, how do we get in this field and what can we do or what are the skills to be learned Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I really think, and I've always said this before, uh, when you're getting into data science, you know, uh, don't just jump immediately into the complexity of a lot of things. So a lot Uh of people, they're standing in front of like, you know, they're about to enter into the field and they say, you know what, I really want to jump. Right into okay. machine learning and deep yep. learning, mm-hmm. and these are things that are quite complex. They require a lot of experience, and mm-hmm. they also require academic qualification. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that you can't learn it. That's not. I'm not saying that you can't learn it or you can't experience something like that. But that is definitely something that is complex. I mean, a lot of the top data scientists in the United States, for example, mm-hmm. uh, they're all PhDs or at least a lot of them are at least graduate degree holders. Mm-hmm. And if not that, they do have experience. So mm-hmm. I really think that the number one thing that people should focus on is if they're going into data science, first experience experience—you uh, know, dealing with data, analyzing it, visualizing, mm-hmm. extracting insights, working with different tools around data, And that's something that will establish your base. And then you can move into more complex things Uh of machine learning, whether you want to learn that by yourself or whether you want to take on a degree. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, of course, uh, there's a variety of skills to be learned within Uh the industry. and And there's a plethora of literature that, you know, describes those skills, you know, tools such as SQL, Python, Tableau, all that. So um, I think people would, you know, they have a huge repository of information that they can refer to when it comes Mm -hmm. to skills. But what I caution people a lot, and this is the second thing that I'm I'm trying to say, is that don't focus too much on the hard skills. The hard skills will always come to you. I Mm -hmm. mean, you can learn Tableau literally within two or three weeks, even less Mm -hmm. than that, if you just visualize your own projects. Python could also come easy to you um, if you're doing simple data tasks, literally within a month or so. The um, same goes for SQL. I mean, these are all things that have been created by human beings from the same brains that we have ourselves. So these hard skills, they will come to you. So what you need to do is actually put hard skills to the side, do make a routine of learning them. But really what's important is the soft skills. And I don't see a lot of emphasis on soft skills these days. So the number one soft skill is, is communication. So mm-hmm. You really need to be able to communicate the data that you're analyzing. You have insights or if you have some sort of analysis you really have to tell people who don't know anything about data who have uh-huh. no technical background uh-huh. what this data means or what is the implications of this data and you have to do it well you have to craft a story you have to really evoke emotion into it uh-huh. so that's the number one skill within that uh, the other skill or the soft skill that I would say is you really need to be curious you have to have that curiosity that drives that initial um, thinking of you know how do we solve this problem, or how do we work on this business scenario, mm-hmm. or is there any data on this issue that I could shed more light on? So uh-huh. it's really about you know uh, communicating well, having that curiosity, and lastly, I would say in terms of soft uh-huh. skills, you you and la- the last skill that I would say is that you really need to be patient. I mm-hmm. mean, not only patient in learning the skills. But you have to be patient in working with data. I mean, there's been times where I would be working on a problem for days at end. I'd probably be cleaning a data set for days at end. Because again, in data yes. science, 80% of the job is just cleaning data, to be honest. Yes. So yes. you have to be patient with it. there's been days where I've been working on one problem and I do feel frustrated or if I feel burned out. And you just I mean, you can't have any quitter attitude. You really have to be patient about it, really uh-huh. establish yourself with the data that you're working with. Be patient in solving problems, be patient in getting data, and analyzing it, and just be patient overall uh, throughout your your life. Um, Patience is basically the pathway that I would say that when you go into data.
0: Yeah, yeah. So patience is the key that is very true, actually, whether it comes to your career journey or the life journey. Any technology that you're involved in, actually, or any area you're involved in, things take time to stabilize. Everything doesn't come like. Handy and you have to start from the scratch. So definitely patience is one of the keys to pursue what you want to. And uh, we are moving towards the end of this, is this show which is the leadership. So you already found your way towards the leading your area of expertise. So what is your leadership style or what kind of a leader you would like to be and any specific leader that you always follow or admire?
1: So, yeah, I mean, this is also quite uh, interesting because I, I've never really thought of myself a leader a few years back. I mean, I always thought that, you know, that's something that I would probably experience later on in my life. And as far as the data science industry is concerned, at least within my country, because I okay. think that I've uh, solidified myself as one of the top voices for data science within my country. Mm-hmm. And i uh, with that comes a lot of responsibility because you know a lot of people reach out to me on a daily basis asking for help asking for advice and they really are I mean in their own journey at times they get lost about what to do what not to do how do they get a job how do they go further into data Um, and I really feel that it's a privileged position Um, it's a privileged position of leadership to be able to uh, lead or guide people into mm-hmm. the industry or influence their thoughts. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, it's not, it's something that I never thought would happen to me, but as far as, you know, some, uh, some of the interactions that I've had with people, um, over the past, uh, several months, mm-hmm. uh, I really think that I've just been focused on, you know, helping a lot of other people to come to the industry and helping them grow. And I think that that's that's probably, as far as my career has been up to this point, I think that's at the foundation of leadership, that Mm -hmm. as long as you invest yourself into other people's growth, not only do you grow, but they will grow as well. And I really think that if you are able to help or guide people to Uh what they want to get done or the stuff that they want to do, um, I think that's at the essence of uh, leadership. Mm -hmm. And I really think that, uh, it's just on this basis of really just interacting with people and helping them and advising them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a specific leader is concerned, um, I really don't think that I have developed or I have had some sort of affinity for a specific role model yet. Uh-huh. I think that maybe that's something that has yet to come. But mm-hmm. I do know that, um, I mean, for me, for me, I mean, this might seem a little bit corny, at least for me, um, uh, my mother has always been a good leader. To uh-huh. me uh my parents and whatnot so i really think that they serve as a role model to um uh you know some of the leadership qualities that i would adapt
0: mm-hmm. and
1: again it's only at the core of that is really just helping people uh getting to where they want be being in that privileged position and really guiding them uh and at the end of the day that's a blessing that um, only few people have to be in that position. So yeah, I think that's what my leadership style is. Yeah,
0: definitely true, actually. Service so leadership is something that people always admire.
1: So thank you so much
0: for So that's about Rashan Khan and the way he found his way to lead his area of expertise. Before we close, I'm going to read out a quote which says, most strong leaders have a combination of all these qualities separating them from the crowd and encouraging others to look to them for direction. But one thing is certain, a leader is not defined by age and embracing young people as leaders can drive innovation and productivity. Hope audience you will enjoy this episode and on that quote we are closing it. See you in the next episode. Until we meet, happy leading, let's lead together. Stay safe, bye for now.